wonderful old hymn there. I think it's, I don't have it open to here, but I think it's 5th century, 6th century, 7th, somewhere in there. Wonderful to sing those ancient words of the church, rejoicing in the resurrection of Christ and his victory over death. Let's turn to the Word of God. Uh, Ezekiel 37 is our Old Testament reading tonight. Uh, Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14. This is God's Word. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. And our New Testament text, Romans 8, 9 through 13. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Amen. Thanks be to God for His Word. Let's pray and ask His blessing on it. 
Lord, we pray indeed your blessing on your word that by your spirit, your almighty spirit, you would speak and we would hear. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. What difference does the resurrection of Christ make in your everyday life? Often the resurrection can seem like a, it's a wonderful doctrine, it's a glorious doctrine, but in, a, in some ways it feels like a distant doctrine. Uh, we know that Jesus was raised from the dead on Easter Sunday, uh, showing that he was who he said he was. He was the Messiah. He was fully God, fully man, the great conqueror over, our, uh, over death and the one who paid the price for our sins. And we know that in the future we'll be raised up, in everlasting life because of him. But in the meantime, as I wrestle with sin, as I go through difficulty in life, as I go through my day-to-day ordinary things, what difference does the resurrection of Christ make to me? I wake up Monday, still facing the same things I faced last week. Christ is raised from the dead. What does that have to do with, 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 with my everyday, uh, every, everyday things? Um, Romans 8 uh, is teaching us about the work of the Spirit of Christ. And here in, in these verses, 9 through 13, we get highlighted for us this fact that the resurrection of Christ applied to us by the Spirit of Christ has everything to do with our everyday Christian lives. Uh, These verses show us that Christ's resurrection is not a distant reality, but it's the engine that is driving the Christian life. That as we are filled with the Spirit of the risen Christ, He is making us alive day by day, spiritually and the promise of bodily resurrection to come. He is the one who gives us the strength to fight the good fight of the faith. This is where it's coming from. It's, It's streaming from the risen Christ. The one who's conquered death and sin for us. Um, there's this connection that Paul is has but has for us here between the resurrection of Christ and the Holy Spirit. Um, we see it here. It's in Romans eight verse eleven. He says, "If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you." He's talking about this, this inseparable connection between, between the Spirit and the resurrection of Christ, that the, the Spirit is the one who uh, is, is the very personal power of God. And as God raises up His Son from the dead, He does it by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now the Spirit is the Spirit of the resurrection, the Spirit of the risen Christ. And that's the Spirit at work in the believers. Paul describes this. In Ephesians 1, 19-20, he says, he talks about the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe, according to the working of His great might that He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. A very similar thought here. Controlling uh, thought for Paul in these verses. It's what we saw actually already in Ezekiel as well. Ezekiel is prophesying a resurrection life for the dead people of Israel by the power of the Holy Spirit. So underneath these verses here, this controlling assumption is the Spirit in you is the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. So what does that mean? Uh, Three things I want to draw out from the text. Three things it means that the Spirit who is in you is the Spirit who raised Christ from the dead. Number one, if the Spirit of the risen Christ dwells in you, 
you no longer live in the old realm dominated by the flesh, but you live in a new realm dominated by the Holy Spirit. Paul views our salvation uh, so often through this, this lens of these two different realms or these two different uh, aeons, ages, um, these two different kingdoms. Uh, there, there's the flesh on the one hand. That's everything that's opposed to God, opposed to Christ, opposed to His kingdom, dominated by sin and death under the wrath of God. When you're in the flesh, you are apart from Christ you have no life, you have no spirit, right? none of the Holy Spirit, and you are in slavery to sin. Paul's been describing a little bit of this reality in the previous verses in Romans chapter 8. He describes how you cannot please God, how you're still a slave to your old sinful desires, how you're still under the law and under His wrath. So that's the one realm, right? This world, this, this system, this age of the flesh. And on the other side, it's this new realm, the realm where the Spirit dominates, the realm of new creation, the realm of the age to come, heaven breaking in, putting a colony in the middle of the world of the flesh, this realm of the flesh. Heaven puts this colony down, the church, this realm of the new creation. And Paul has just been describing this in Romans chapter 8 describing life under the old realm. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are locked into this old way of living, this sinful, dominated way of living in the flesh, are held captive by the chains of their sin. But now in verse 9, as we pick up our text, uh, he says, uh, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Uh, God has brought you through the resurrection of Christ, and by the indwelling Spirit of Christ, God has brought you into this new realm now. Um, I was trying to think of an illustration that would, that would uh, draw this out. I was watching a movie uh, some time ago about some uh, children who had, been, who had survived the Holocaust, Jewish children in Nazi Germany during World War II, and they had been born and grown up in prison camps. And so their whole world is dominated by that. And then the war ends. They have no parents, no family. And some of these children are taken to England, to the Lake District in England, a beautiful and uh, serene place. Um, but but uh, the, the, these children are brought into this new realm now, right? This new kingdom, this new place where something, the old rules don't apply. The old principles don't apply. There's a new reality now that they're living under. Uh, new rules that they're living under, right? They've been set free. And it takes time, right? At first, they still feel like they're in the old realm, even though they're not anymore. And this is, uh, this is very similar, I think, to what happens in the Gospel. You've been brought into by the Spirit. You're brought into a new realm, a new world, dominated not by the flesh, but by the Spirit. And you live under the Spirit. You live under the rule of the Gospel, the gracious rule of Jesus Christ, and everything is different here. You are no longer living in the old sinful world of the flesh. You're surrounded by it, but you're in a new realm even in the midst of it. That's the first thing we see here, a tremendously encouraging thing for us as Christians. As we go out and do our callings and do the work God has given us to do, we're in a new world in Christ. The world dominated not by sin, but by the Holy Spirit. The second thing, the second thing we see here 
is that if the Spirit of the risen Christ dwells in you, even though your body is still under the influence of death, the Spirit is at work with resurrection life in you. Um, Notice Paul Paul, Paul describes the Spirit for us in verses 9 through 10 in an interesting way. Uh, If you have the text be helpful probably to to see this. But he says in verses 9 to 10, starts off verse 9, you are in the Spirit. And then he describes this Spirit as the Spirit of God. And then he goes on and describes him as the Spirit of Christ. And that's all in verse 9. And then he drops the word Spirit, simply speaks of Christ in verse 10. And then at the end of verse 10, he switches to just talking about the Spirit. It's almost like he's swapping all these different terms. Spirit of God, Spirit of Christ, Christ, Spirit. He's almost interchangeably using these terms for the Spirit. Um, Now we know that the persons of the Trinity are not one another. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Spirit. They, they, are, they are distinct persons, even as they are one, uh, one Godhead. This is Orthodox Christian teaching, right? Uh, but here, as we see what Paul is describing for us, is this closely intertwined ministry that the Spirit has with the work of, with the work of Christ. That He is the Spirit who first filled Christ for His ministry, uh, he, he brought about Christ's conception in the womb of Mary. Uh, he anointed Christ at his baptism, filled him with uh, strength for his ministry. He's the spirit who led Jesus into wilderness, into the wilderness to battle Satan. Uh, he is the spirit who, uh, uh, who, who, who raised Jesus up from the dead. And now Jesus in heaven pours out that same Holy Spirit on his church and fills the spirit with uh, fills the church with with the same spirit and so the spirit's ministry is very much as the spirit of the risen Christ the spirit who filled Christ now filling the church and the spirit's ministry in a sense is Christ is to unite the elect to Christ to apply everything Christ accomplished to the church so Paul can use these terms almost interchangeably and um so much so that he can say to have the Spirit in, in you is the same as having Christ in you. Jesus himself says this in John fourteen seventeen. He promises the Spirit. And then fourteen eighteen he says, I will come to you. There's wonderful uh, closeness of identity between the Son and the Spirit. That the Spirit is giving us Christ. Christ himself. Um, so Paul, Paul is driving this home. The Spirit of Christ, the risen Christ, is in you. What does that mean? Well, it means that even though your body is dead because of sin, he says, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So you've been brought into a new realm. You're living in this new world dominated not by sin, but dominated now by the Spirit. But here in this realm, you still have the same old body that you had in the other realm. Uh, it's a sinful uh, it was a body that's tempted to sin. It's a body that's uh, feeling the effects of the fall. Being a Christian doesn't mean you suddenly get health, wealth, and prosperity. It doesn't mean that your body becomes immortal uh, in that sense. Uh, you're still feeling the curse of death. But at the same time, you're filled with the spirit of life. You've got this new principle inside you. You've got... Uh, you, you've got this seed planted in you of uh, the resurrection of Christ, the spirit of the resurrection. And that seed is going to bear 
fruit one day as your body's raised from the dead. Paul goes on in verse 11. He says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then He who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. You see what he's saying? Your body's mortal still, but the Spirit of the risen Christ is in your body. He's in you. He's filling you. He's at work in you. And so your soul is already immortal and your body will one day rise again from the dead uh, to be with Christ in the new heavens and new earth. This is what we saw prophesied in Ezekiel 37, that uh, the Spirit of God goes out over this valley full of skeletons there in, in this vision that Ezekiel has, and he knits all these bones together and breathes new life into them and raises them up as the resurrected people of God. This is what the power of the Spirit accomplishes in us. God has taken us by His grace out of that realm of sin and death and into this wonderful new realm. And He's filled us with His very Spirit. And again, we have to ask the question, well, why would God do such a thing for us? We do not deserve to be resurrected. We do not deserve eternal life in Christ. Why why would He do such a thing for us? Paul tells us, doesn't he? Right there, verse 10, he says, because of righteousness. Not our righteousness. He's already made the case throughout the book of Romans. None is righteous. No, not one. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Um, this isn't our righteousness. This isn't our sanctification that gives us this life. This is the righteousness of our Lord Jesus Christ imputed to us. Everything we have, every, the only reason we are in this new world, dominated by the Spirit, filled with resurrection life, is because of Christ's righteousness imputed to us. What does this all mean? All right, we're asking the question, what, is, what difference does this make for us uh, in our everyday lives as Christians? Um, well, it means that we can expect to experience two simultaneous things uh, that aren't in opposition to each other, even though sometimes they probably feel like they are. On the one hand, you've still got a mortal body as a Christian, and you know this well. Uh, this is well proved, I'm sure, by your anecdotal personal experience. Your body is still uh, failing and uh, experiences pain and exhaustion and uh, you will experience weakness and humiliation and you're going to continue going through the continual irreconcilable war of the, uh, against, against sin and fighting for holiness. Um, the Christian life is all of these things. It's the downward road into the deep valley of humiliation, coming to know our weakness. So we are not living uh, a victorious Christian life in the sense that phrase is often used. We are living the cross-bearing Christian life. And, and everything Paul is saying here is affirming this. Yes, a new realm, resurrection life in you, but it's still, you're still in your mortal bodies. Um, learning obedience through what you suffer, holding this treasure of the gospel in a clay jar. And so we can expect to go through life with these uh, things teaching us weakness. We're in the refiner's fire. But at the same time, in all of that, the promise for us is that the Christian life is a glorious life. Yes, you're learning what it is to be weak and poor in spirit and, and uh, yeah, you feel the mortality of your body, but 
resurrection life is at the same time. Working in you through all these things. Uh, You're already seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Your life hidden with Him in Christ. You're more than conquerors, not not despite all these weaknesses and, and difficulties and temptations, but in them, you're more than conquerors. Because the power of His resurrection is already at work in you. Paul has a wonderful way of putting this in Philippians chapter 3 where he's describing for us uh, what it is to know the power of Christ and His resurrection. And as he describes there the active work of Christ's resurrection power by the Spirit in Him, in the same breath he describes sharing in Christ's sufferings. So we we have these two, both sides, right? Cross-bearing, resurrection life. The resurrection life of Christ is is giving us the strength to bear the cross all the way to heaven. The cross of following Him. And so we have, loved ones, in, in the difficulty and in the weakness, the wonderful comfort and encouragement that He's with us. And those very things are the proof, uh, part, part of the proof of His resurrection life at, at work in us. We see this wonderful confidence, not only in the New Testament, also in the Old, in that great psalm, uh, of the resurrection, Psalm 16. Psalm 16, verses 9 through 10, puts this truth so profoundly. Uh, the, the psalmist says there, My heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. David has such a clear sense there by the inspiration of the Spirit that his body is secure. Even into death and beyond death, his very body is held by Jesus Christ, secure through every danger, loved ones. And this is our solid hope as well. He will give us life in our mortal bodies as well. The third thing we see here, the third thing we see is that if the Spirit of the risen Christ dwells in you, then you are set free from Slavery to sin to serve God. You are set free from slavery to sin to serve God. Uh, We come now to verses 12 through 13 where Paul writes this, Therefore, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Paul is moving to the logical conclusion of what he's just been saying, right? His point has been the Spirit of the risen Christ is in you, brought you into a new realm dominated by the Spirit, not the flesh. This new principle of resurrection life already at work in you one day to bear the fruit of final resurrection to come. Therefore, you're a debtor. You're a debtor. Not a debtor, he clarifies, to the flesh, but a debtor to the Spirit. What does it mean to be a debtor? Um, Perhaps you've been in some debt before, right? You know the burden of that debt. You've got to make payments on that debt. And it feels like you can never catch up with paying that debt. You feel feel the the interest is piling up faster than you can pay it off. Um, It's hard to be in debt. It feels like a, a kind of slavery, doesn't it? And Paul's saying you used to be a debtor to the flesh. You used to be making payments, regular payments to sin. Um, continuing to, to slave away for sin, uh, being locked into sin. 
But, but now he's reminding us, you've been raised with Christ, so you're not a debtor anymore. Because Christ paid that debt. So you do not owe sin anything. You do not owe the sinful flesh anything. You don't owe Satan anything. You don't owe that old realm of sin anything because Christ has, has paid that debt. All of it by His own blood. Brothers and sisters, we need to get this drilled into our hearts and our minds in our fight against sin and temptation. You're not a debtor to sin. Rather, rather you're a debtor to Christ. What do you owe Christ? You owe Him everything. Um, What do you owe Him as your Creator? You owe Him every breath, every movement, every thought, right? Every moment of your life, a gift from Him. Um, He has shown us grace upon grace upon grace. Um, He has He has given us uh, He he has given us Himself to be our Savior, Um, and yet. We're, we, we, uh, we're, we're so slow to obey Him. We drag our feet when we hear His commands. We don't run in His commandments. Uh, we, uh, we act as though what He asks us to do is a chore. We are miserly with our obedience. Um, uh, but, but, but here, Paul is reminding us, you're not a slave to sin. Instead, you are set free to live a life of obedience to Jesus Christ to whom you owe Everything. So, brothers and sisters, take Paul's commandment to heart here that you need to start paying your debt to Christ. Not a debt of, here's what I am going to give you to earn uh, the grace you've shown me, but the debt of thankfulness, a debt of, of, of gratitude that you owe him. And what he calls us to is to put the sinful deeds and desires of the old way of living to death. He calls us here to the Good work of mortification, right? That old word that means to, to, to put to death your sinful deeds and desires. We're called to this actively in our lives, brothers and sisters, as Christians. Um, we shouldn't become unhealthily introspective, beating ourselves up all the time, navel-gazing, losing the bigger picture of things. But we do need to be prayerfully looking at God's commandments, looking at His Word, looking at the character of Christ, and looking at ourselves in the light of those things. To say, well, Lord, show me my hidden sins. Teach me to walk in your commandments. Uh, set me free. Strengthen me for obedience. You should ask yourself, what, what am I doing that I need to stop doing? Where are the habits that don't align with his law that he, he wants me to change? Where is my life out of line with what he calls me to do? We should be students of him and students of his law and students of our obedience to him. Ambitious, ambitious to obey Him. Verse 13 warns us that we must do this. It's not optional, extra credit, bonus work in the Christian life. This is essential to the Christian life. John Owen put it so well, be killing sin, or sin will be killing you. We must put to death the old sinful self. How can Paul say all this? Um, it sounds almost like he's starting to contradict the gospel. Like he was saying, you've been set free in Christ. You've been brought into the realm of the Spirit. Uh, puts into death or it's going to kill you. 
How does that line up with what he just said about you've been raised with Christ, you're going to live forever with Christ? Uh, If you truly belong to Christ, he's saying, this is how you will live. He's not saying you earn your salvation through these acts of putting sin to death, but you respond to the work Christ is doing in you by his Spirit with this. It becomes your new spiritual instinct as one filled with his Spirit to put sin to death. Brothers and sisters, I want you to see this intersection we're seeing between the resurrection of Christ and our sanctification. Because Christ rose and poured out His Spirit on us, we have new life in us. And we are not debtors to sin anymore. We are filled with the very power of His resurrection to overcome sin. And so cry out to His Spirit for, for help and for grace and, uh, and fill your heart with His Word and walk in obedience as He strengthens you in that. Remembering all the time who you are and what world you're living in. You are in Christ. Not a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. Set free for Christ's glory and joy in Him forever. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you've set us free in Christ to live for Christ by your Holy Spirit. We thank you that resurrection life is already at work in us and will be at work in us all the way to heaven. Help us to put to death the deeds of the body that we might live. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.